0: O Lord, I, thy servant, confess myself unto thee before the majesty of thy glory, in whose spirit is all magnificence and sanctimony. I beseech thee, according to thy unspeakable name, extend thy merciful ears and eyes to the office of my operation, and opening thy hand, I may be filled with the grace I desire, insatiated with charity and goodness, whereby thou hast founded heaven and earth. Who livest? Amen. Welcome to the Pickle and Gravy Paranormal Podcast. The return after dozens of years. You've been waiting for 10 years. Centuries for this in the making. <laughs> You've been waiting for 12 years for this moment. We're back, motherfuckers. We're here to scare your fucking pants off get fucking ready bud hope your drawers are dry because they're not gonna be for long (laughs) all right we have a lot to discuss today we've been planning this for seven years (laughs) seven years (laughs) when was the last time we fucking recorded it probably was seven years ago to be honest probably yeah it's been insane welcome Um, folks yeah so this is pickle and gravy is a paranormal podcast which chances are if you're listening to this now you've never heard of us before (laughs) i don't know how you would have but i don't know why you'd be listening now either but who fucking knows studied every detail of our lives (laughs) in preparation for this moment and we're here to give you a treat but yeah so we've got some stories we're gonna we're gonna talk about some ghosts we're gonna talk about some uh some uh monsters maybe uh yeah. maybe a little bit of a uh, who knows we'll we'll get it, we'll get into it we'll but win. um, we'll wing it we'll just really quick what what were you just reading there when at the intro of our podcast oh of course the oh, i didn't even bookmark it but that was <laughs> 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 I, I shut the book immediately but that was that was from the lesser key of solomon hell yeah and it was a, a conjuration to uh increase your wisdom fuck yeah so now we are wise we all need a little bit of wisdom these days. We we need a little more wisdom. We've been shined up. We are we are wise to the situation. If I do say so myself, I, I think that's an apt statement. Apt even. So we can kick it off. We can just jump into a topic. We've got cryptozoology. We've got paranormal classics on the table. Yeah, We've a bunch of a big old stack of books. Brother Pickle has explored every library. In these forsaken lands looking for Across the globe Sacred texts and grimoires And dark conjurations Yes And boy, we found some fucking gold Really quick, baby <laughs> <laughs> Some fucking gold You, you want to hand me that dictionary? Because I'm going to need that at some point um, the, Oh yes, the complete Enochian dictionary Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that Let me, let me just let me just tape these pages back together <laughs> Keep them? Okay All right it's a little torn after all it is from the 1800s. Yes, these are very very old ancient texts. That, I breathe in some dust. <coughs> the 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 Enochian dictionary uh, 1581, for oh example. Fuck. Yeah. That and we, we got the Malus maleficarum. That's a uh, I'm not sure when that was. What's what look on the back there? Malus maleficarum. What, what, what this, when does it say that was this from? This was first written in 1484 yeah. and reprinted endlessly. Yep. Yeah, these these are old texts here. It was immediately gi- it, it was immediately given to the imprimatur of the Holy See as the most important work on witchcraft to date. Mm-hmm. I fucking bet. Fucking fancy I'm using that to kill a bunch of people. <laughs> 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 fucking terrorize nations. Would you summon an army of witches to terrorize a nation? It depends on who the nation consisted of. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> inapt judgment we are wise after all yes we have the wisdom of the demons of solomon this podcast has been blessed by divine wisdom hell yeah so <laughs> let's kick it off all right let's get started so what are we starting with so i've conjured up an ancient text on crypto all right yeah so and here we've we've got a this is a local tale I don't know if you know, but Pickle and Gravy, us here, we've, we're from Minnesota. In the frozen wastes of the north. Frozen, disgusting <laughs> wastelands. <laughs> it's pretty nice. Of the north. And uh, and apparently an Iceman roams among our midst. This is new to me. This is new to you. I had no idea about this. There's yes. a Minnesota Iceman. Yes. Yes. We yep. should probably get into the story though, because it seems like you're not fully aware of what the Iceman Man no, is. I, no, I, I'm completely not. So see, he's let's, not roaming around. Let's, let's jump. See, see, Pickle Spoiler is. alert. Pickle's more versed <laughs> in the the Ice Man. Apparently, in uh, in 1967, this was fairly recently. University of Minnesota. Fairly recently. Yeah. This is, well, <laughs> recently compared to the 1400s, I guess. <laughs> if you're talking about uh, fucking We're, like the scale of the universe, yeah. maybe. Yeah, that's the scale we operate on on (laughs) this podcast. Okay, all right. We're on on the same page. Fairly recently means within the last two to 300 years. All right. During (laughs) the autumn of 1967, this was University of Minnesota zoology major Terry Cullen, visiting the Milwaukee area, saw an extraordinary exhibit, which appeared to be an authentic corpse of a recently killed Bigfoot-like animal. All right, not Bigfoot. Bigfoot like, I'm assuming like, because it's they found them in a block of ice. I mean, they're not gonna be able to tell exactly what's in there unless they thaw it out. And if they thaw it out, that thing's like, who knows how old it is? That thing's exactly. gonna fucking rot. Nobody knows. You gotta keep it on ice, but that means you can't research it. Stick so, it in the microwave. I, I'm. I, they're not making the jump to say it's definitely Bigfoot. <laughs> Sounds like they just think it might be Bigfoot. It might be. They Bigfoot. just don't want to make that definitive statement. They're not entirely sure. They they got a they got a picture of here of a, a man encased in ice. You can see his gross teeth. <laughs> his gross teeth. It says Cullen followed the exhibit around Wisconsin, Illinois, and Minnesota to the many shopping malls and state fairs at which it was exhibited. Excuse me. State fairs nowadays are a place to eat fried food. And be a fat fuck. There's no... (laughs) Back in the day, they said, check out this ice man I found. I found a dude in a block of ice. Check this out. Let me just tell you this. If there were more stuff like that at the state fair, I would be there every fucking day. You can bet I would be there. So, So he's following around all these state fairs in which this ice block was exhibited. Toward the end of the 1968 exhibiting season, after attempting, without success, to get various local anthropology professors interested in investigating the exhibit, Cullen finally alerted one Ivan T. Sanderson, all right, the author of a book on abominable snowmen. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> put that in our back pocket for later. Said, hey, Ivan, bud, have I got a fucking find for you. And Sanderson asked uh, contacts of his to examine it at the Chicago Stock Fair. The Chicago Stock Fair. Apparently. What is that? like like stocks like yeah stocks and prisoners? bonds no stocks and oh bonds. that kind of stocks investments or like stocks like like corn stocks corn stocks are up or like stocking what kind of fare is this we're getting we're getting in the weeds <laughs> let's focus on the important <laughs> let's focus on i it. don't know i think this is pretty important <laughs> <laughs> Let's take Anyways, w- let's ro- take <laughs> stock. we'll come back to this. Continue. Let's, let's take stock of what's important here. <laughs> now, by the time at the time by chance, Sanderson's house guest in New Jersey was one Bernard Hovelmans, Bernard Hovelmans, the father of cryptozoology, his nickname. What was his name? Bernard Bernard Hovelmans. Heuvelman? Hovelmans. All right. Uh, and he was intrigued by what they had heard from Cullen. So they traveled to see firsthand what exhibitor Frank Hansen was showing across the Midwest. Hansen, who claimed that it was a man left over from the Ice Age, charged 25 cents for a look at the thing frozen in a block of ice in a refrigerated glass coffin. Hey, bud, you want to see a corpse? That'll be 25 cents. I'm looking at a picture of the Iceman right now. You got a picture? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a bloody It's a bloody gory picture. We have a 100-inch monitor here inch monitor. A here inch here monitor. and Gravy Studios. Yes, yeah, our national headquarters. Which is also located near the center of the earth, if you're not aware. Exactly. 2,000 feet under the ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yikes. I, I, I can't figure out how to fucking zoom on. I'm clicking the zoom <laughs> button is not doing it. Oh, but, yeah, this is, this is the ice, man. Oh, I can see it well enough. It's it's I I'm having difficulty like figuring out what exactly we're looking at though. I think that that's the nose area like right this right there. here? It's like the nose and lips maybe. Because I think this is the face, but it just looks like a gory mess. It's maybe you reconstructed a pig and it got frozen. It it looks like a seventies horror film. <laughs> Quite beautiful actually. So Sanderson and Hoovelmans, they drove to Hansen's farm. Hansen was the guy who had the ice block near Rolling Stone, Minnesota, where the thing had been stored for the winter. In a cramped trailer, they examined the creature, and they were soon convinced that they had found the discovery of the century. After three days of study and detailed photography, Hoovelman's and Sanderson believed that the beast was authentic. Okay. They both smelled the putrefaction where some of the flesh had been exposed from the melted ice. So that just means it's a it, it's a decaying creature. <laughs> it doesn't just, mean it's actually a yeah. It, it just means it was something organic that is somewhere now in running. there. And they said that smells. Oh, they could have just like made like a mannequin, stuffed it full of pig guts, and stuck it in the ice. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> they took a page out of Diana's book Putting <laughs> mice in the bladder and fucking. Exactly. Blood. Long story. That's another. That's another tale. We'll get tale to tale for another time in time. So they both smelled it and they said, "Fuck, that's real." <laughs> Is that what it says in the book? (laughs) Yeah, that's a direct quote. All right. They noted that the thing had been. my kind of writer. They noted. This thing had apparently been shot through the eye, and that eye dangled on the face. So, what's his name? Hansen? Was that what it was? Hansen, yeah, Hansen was the guy. Did Hansen shoot the creature? Uh, Is that what they're saying? I think it had been shot and it was. Or he found it after it had been shot. I think he found it after it had been shot. I think that's an excuse. I think that's a false story. You think he found it alive? and he I think he it. fucking murdered that creature <laughs> and was like, oh, shit. Well, I'll just say I found it. Ladies and gentlemen, we've come across the conspiracy theory of the century. Yes. Mr. Hanson, a.k.a. Mr. Have a Seat Over There, <laughs> fucking <laughs> shot the Minnesota Iceman. Is that the Hanson they're talking about? Uh-huh. All right. I didn't realize that. We're doing a story. Huvelman's uh, <laughs> described it this way. The specimen at first looks like a man, or if you prefer, an adult human being of the male sex. What the <laughs> fuck else does a man mean, you fucking dick? What? <laughs> or if you prefer. What kind of writing is that? I don't know. 1800s, 1900s. Excuse <laughs> I mean, me. this book's not that old. It th- Yeah, this was in the 60s. So, uh, it is entirely covered with very dark brown hair, three to four inches long. It was a hairy beast. Its skin appears wax-like, similar in color to the cadavers of white men not tanned by the sun. Well, th- that would make sense. The specimen yeah. is lying on its back. The left arm is twisted behind the head. Yeah, it's a little awkward with the palm of the hand upward. The arm makes a strange curve as if it were that of a sawdust doll, but this curvature is due to an open fracture this is midway. What he's doing, like this. Yeah, he's, <laughs> you can't you can't see it <laughs> folks out there, but it's imagine Arm behind the head. You know, I'm trying kind of to weird. think of something like it. Just looks like an awkward dance move. Like imagine a like a ballerina fucking hiking their arm behind their head. Hmm? Uh, the the right arm is twisted and held tightly against the flank, with the hand spread, palm down, over the right side of the abdomen, between the right finger and. <laughs> oh, thank you for the detail. Between the right finger and the medius, the penis is visible. <laughs> lying there's ob- a fucking visible penis on this thing oh yeah they 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 examined that okay yeah this. i can see it in this drawing oh you can see the penis i don't know if this is a drawing or some kind of scan but you can definitely see a penis in there <laughs> Wait, it <laughs> went off it oh out. shit one second turned out hold on there we go turn on turn on the monitor <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful the testicles are vaguely distinguishable at the yeah. juncture of the thighs. no you can definitely see them so you you can you can find this picture online. yes, yeah. is, this is easily no just Google the Minnesota Iceman and it will fucking come up. yeah. so okay. so Hansen's desire that they keep the discovery quiet, notwithstanding Sanderson and Hovelman's could hardly contain themselves. It was so real to Sanderson that he started talking about it affectionately to his friends as Bozo. <laughs> come on, you gotta <laughs> pick a more ominous name than oh my God. Bozo, Sanderson. Sa- oh Sanderson. You gotta read some you gotta read the Malleus Maleficarum if you want some good names. <laughs> you could've named it Bozo. Bozo. He- that just makes me think of the clown. Yeah. Oh, he fucked up. That that could have been that's a missed opportunity right there. Anyway, Sanderson at the time he was a popular television nature personality who brought exotic animals to various programs. Hmm. What? He mentioned the Iceman on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson during Christmas week 1968. Okay. Johnny Carson said, you what? Did you examine the penis? <laughs> and he said, don't worry, I did. Very It's closely. definitely there. Don't you worry, I did. Over the next year, the two cryptozoologists wrote scientific papers. Huoman's formerly named the creature Homo Pungoides. Homo pongoides. What does that <laughs> What does that mean? Pongoid, yeah, Pongoides, yeah, P O N G O I D E S. All right, Pongoids. Look at That's not a real word, so Google doesn't recognize well, it. Well, <laughs> is it Latin? Let's see. Let's, yeah, let's check out. What is? What is? I Pongoides? found less homopungoides. Let's Ooh. see. Uh, mm. No, it's it's. It is an unknown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crazy. What's up? Oh, I don't know. It's just <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I, I have uh, no idea. And Sanderson published an article in the men's magazine Argozi. Argozi. Soon, under still cloudy circumstances, the original body disappeared, and a model apparently made in California replaced the real creature. Okay. Interesting. This is a twist. They said, hey, buddy, where's the body? Fact, yeah. I he fucking swapped it. it out. I was looking one was second later. It was, it was one of those Indiana Jones situations. It belongs in a museum. <laughs> and got, Indiana he, swoops he in. He got an exact replica in one hand. They <laughs> he swap it out really quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had an exact replica. He made sure the <laughs> penis was just right. I mean, it's got to be. Swapped him out. And he emerged uh, un, undetected, apparently. Uh, and a model apparently made in California replaced the real creature. Rumors circulated that various various Hollywood makeup artists were privately claiming to have been the actual producer of the Iceman. Interesting. But Sanderson and Hoovermans insisted that at least 15 technical differences existed between the original and the replacement, the replacement model, citing photographs taken by Mark A. Hall in Minnesota and by Lauren Coleman in Illinois of the traveling exhibit. So apparently this model looked nothing like the It didn't hmm. look that much like the Iceman. Why would they expect to get away with that? It was, it was the 60s. Or was it like close enough that most people could tell, except for these guys? They fucking know what the thing looks like. So they like, that's wrong. That's wrong. I think they were tripping out on some experimental psychedelics. They said, eh, close enough. It's very possible. It, it, looks, it looks good. And it did not look good. <laughs> uh, Hall offers this speculation. It is likely that the rotting corpse of the famous Iceman was in early 1969 deposited into an unmarked and now forgotten grave. By agents of the owner. Wait, what? Apparently, but I I don't know what his motivation would be to do that. Huh. Many have hoped that one day a fortunate accident or an incident of the demise of a wild man would one day provide a corpse and confirm the existence of such relatives to humankind. The history of the Iceman, if accurate, is harmful to this expectation. Huh. Well, okay, so it was... uh, They suspect that it was buried in a grave somewhere? It's just gone it's just fucking gone what the hell the smithsonian institution got involved when sanderson approached its chief primatologist john napier and urged a scientific examination of the creature hansen who was the the original exhibitor had neither confirmed nor denied that the original creature was a model all he would say was the creature was really owned by a mysterious millionaire Mysterious millionaire. Okay, this is getting more complicated. <laughs> Did so apparently Hanson never had the actual Iceman, I don't and it know. belonged to a millionaire. Uh, okay. He he declined to have it examined further. This Yeah, that's how you know it's fake. <laughs> if it's real, then you shouldn't have any problem having to examine. And I think the Smithsonian agrees with you because they lost interest in the matter. They yeah, suspected no it was shit. a hoax, <laughs> and they said. <laughs> Get the fuck off my doorstep, buddy, with your fake-ass model. <laughs> uh, Hansen removed the replacement model from exhibition for a while and even reported destroying it. It or a similar figure still shows up at mall exhibits on occasion. Okay. So now we, we don't... Do you think we can find one? <laughs> Maybe. I would love to see it. I think we can make one. We have a picture <laughs> of the penis. Yeah. We <laughs> That's all you need. So they don't have the original. Nope. They don't have the model that was nope. created after the original. Now that we have models of models. <laughs> <laughs> that's all we're left with. It's fucking uh, yeah, I don't know. It's that's crazy. That's spooky. <laughs> <laughs> the origins and nature of the creature are the and source of keep shit track continuing though. debate. Sanderson often said the creature could be North American, but he was unsure. Could be North American. Movements would theorize later that it was a Neanderthal that had been murdered in Vietnam during the war. What? What? <laughs> so now, <laughs> I <laughs> feel like that's even more convoluted. <laughs> was that part of the? Was that why we went to Vietnam? I don't. I don't remember learning about that in history. The army was. of Neanderthals fighting in Vietnam. That was the real reason behind <laughs> Vietnam, dude. The elimination of the Neanderthals. Neanderthals in the jungle. In the jungle, <laughs> protecting <laughs> Hamburger Hill. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> apparently fuck um okay that had been murdered in vietnam during the war and smuggled into the u.s in a body bag why that's i see no reasoning for this theory this is but just this theory is just like way fucking out there hovelman's is a strange character uh so hooveman's and boris porshnev boris porshnev boris porshnev in their 1974 book La Home de est toujours vivant. I'm probably messing that up horribly. It's yeah. French. Wrote that it may indeed have been possible for Captain Hanson to have obtained the body and arranged to have it flown back in the same manner as the bodies of American soldiers killed in action. But why? Just so they can bring it back and fucking put it on display for those quarters. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted those Make quarters. Making a fortune. Twenty-five cents at a time. <laughs> Oh, I mean, it's it's plausible. As history now reveals, this is the way that many kilos of heroin were slipped into the U.S. from Asia's golden triangle during the Vietnam War. This isn't heroin, though. But it's not nearly as profitable. Heroin, Iceman. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It just seems like a stretch to me. 50-50. <laughs> uh, the, the transport system was very much a reality. In the scholarly book, Other Origins, which was written in 1990... About a Gigantopithecus. Yes, Gigantopithecus. Oh, you, uh, you're aware of? Oh, I, b- I believe we talked about Gigantopithecus on our previous episode of the Did show. You? <laughs> <laughs> Many centuries ago. It has been almost a thousand. Years. I vaguely remember that, but yes, Gigantopithecus was a very, very large primate, or a, we believe it was very large, that uh, lived in Asia. Oh. Supposedly, it looked kind of similar to an orangutan. But uh, they found, like, the skull, I believe, and it had, like, giant teeth or something like that, and that's why they kind of assumed it was really big. Oh, but shit. I'm not entirely sure. Was yeah. that ever debunked, or is that still? I mean, Gigantopithecus was a real creature. We just don't know a whole lot about it. Ah. Oh. They've only found, like, a handful of stuff. That's right. We're we're only left with Australopithecus. Yes. The the anthropologist authors, Russell Kilkon... <laughs> I'm, I'm going to butcher these names. <laughs> John Olson and it's Jamie. The only way to do it. Oh, and Jamie James. <laughs> Jamie, James. <laughs> Jamie, James. And, and Jamie James. Jamie James. Jamie James. Jamie James. They discuss how they were <laughs> surprised to hear their Vietnamese colleagues talk with familiarity about this alleged alleged Vietnamese origin for the Minnesota Iceman. Hmm. So that... Oh, okay. It's all coming together. So apparently there were folks in Vietnam who were aware of this and said, "Yeah, do this, man. I've seen him ten times. I know this guy. I saw him." So he was a just normal dude. He was a Neanderthal. A so that the Neanderthals just like chilling in Vietnam, just like nobody's business. They're just like just locals. <laughs> they, <laughs> is, that, probably, is that what's going on? Is there a secret? Were, uh, <laughs> They were probably restricted to like a reservation. A secret like. society of Neanderthals in Vietnam? Yeah, yeah, like you Neanderthals, you get your own space, and us normal people will <laughs> occupy the space. This rest was a lot more world. simple when it was just a Bigfoot. <laughs> Helmet Loof's Wisowa also supports the Indo Chinese link. Others have debated Hooverman's theory. Paul questions the Iceman's supposed Vietnamese origin and alleged Neanderthal affinity and today feels the original Minnesota Iceman was of South Central Asian Homo erectus origin. Okay. So they're they're kind of tracing back the evolutionary tree and trying to find one of the <laughs> species that this <laughs> creepy, hairy, penis. They're individual. just fucking taking darts and throwing them at random names on the wall at this point. Yes, how about Homo erectus? But the evidence that would resolve the issue is no longer with us. Hall's final words on the matter from Wonders 3, which was written in 1994. Wonders 3? Is that a Wonders book? Wonders 3, yeah, it's apparently, okay, are worth quoting. So this is the, the words of Hall. We have seen in the Iceman what happens when a specimen of this kind is finally preserved. Among them, the only three who saw the importance of the specimen were powerless to influence his fate. His destiny was to be valueless and to disappear entirely from within our midst. He ended his career as a public entertainment, most probably in an unmarked grave. Hmm. Okay. That is dark. Yeah, that's a little sad. Oh, that's unfortunate. So, if okay, this is this is a lesson out there to all you listeners. If you discover an Iceman, man, don't fucking charge a quarter <laughs> to see it. <laughs> Take pictures of it. Uh, scan it 3D print it 3D 3D print print a model of it you gotta have backups yes you need you need backups get this in the Smithsonian pronto um excuse me that that was my yeah give me some while I find my you want want some uh, intermission music hit hit me with some intermission music alright here's some intermission music I don't think it's working that's (laughs) why I turned it down (laughs) Frank it. I'm gonna sit my water during this intermission. Folks, intermission. This, is an, this is an intermission. Grab some popcorn, pop it up. Yeah, get it, up on your feet, do some dancing, do some dancing. <laughs> Throw those pizza rolls in the microwave. This is danceable music, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know what else I would dance to. That's it. That's how it ends. It just stops. End of intermission. We're back. I hope you cooked your pizza rolls. That was fucking was Awfully quick. Fast. If you need a few more minutes, no, there's no, a I'm, pause button. Oh, I'm, I'm good here. No, I'm and, talking about them. Oh. If, yeah. they, if they need a few more yeah. minutes, there's a pause button. You'd, I'm sure you know this. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with the internet. But there's this thing called the pause button. Yes. Take a look. So in 1997, what looked like a new version of the affair of the Minnesota Iceman occurred in France... In the heart of the What? In the heart of the So this is just a global affair. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So this is apparently something very similar at Bourgogneuf. 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 In France? Yep, this is in France. Oh, yeah. According to French cryptozoologist Michael Reynal, it was indeed a hoax. And amusingly, the Belgian publisher of the journal Cryptozoologia was unwittingly responsible. Soon the media had created a flap with stories of a frozen man of Bourgogneuf. So are they saying the frozen man never existed? So apparently the cre- they it was a creator of a fake one who had uh, who had read Uvelman okay. and Porschnav's 1974 book, mm. and they said, "I'm going to make my own fake ice right. man," and there was All a right. hoax. So this has inspired multiple hoaxes across the globe. Yeah, and thus ends the tale. But not quite, oh, there's because more? I have an update. You have an update. Oh, apparently. Me. According to various websites across the internet, okay. the original or one of the originals, I'm not entirely sure if it was the original or the recreation, but one of them resurfaced and was sold on eBay in 2013 <gasps> and put on display in Austin, Texas. Holy shit. Was it, it was a model? I'm not sure man um, was one of the models. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was what the supposedly the original or like the original model, but it says it was that was the Iceman, so I'm not entirely sure. But uh, yeah, somebody there, I've got an update from 2013. Yeah, interesting, folks. Folks, if you want to see this Iceman, Museum of the Weird, check out Museum of the Weird, and also keep checking eBay. If any, yeah, who knows? There might be more out there. If any mysterious bodies pop up on eBay, do do, do the do humanity a favor and snipe that bidding war for us, yeah. <laughs> Your friends here at Pickle and Gravy Productions LLC, LLC, Incorporated. So yeah, that that was uh, Cryptozoology A to Z by Lauren Coleman and, and that- Jerome Clark. Jerome Clark. Fantastic book about every monster in existence, pretty much. We've got tons of monsters, including including the Yeti. The Yeti? Or, as it's properly pronounced, the Yeti. Is, is that what we're going on to next? We, you, would you like to read this tale? All right, yeah. I, can, I got, can read about the Yeti. We've got the tale of the Yeti. Here. All right. Read by Pickle Esquire. So first, we've got a little bit of background on the term yeti. Mm. Comes from the Sherpa phrase yete. Yete roughly translates into that thing. <laughs> now, the creature in the west is often called the abominable snowman, uh, originating from a mistranslation of a generic term for the creatures in 1921. Wow. So that's okay. where the abominable snowman comes from. Oh, okay. I'm curious uh what the original word was. But hmm. all right, let's see. So the first known reference in English is uh, a 19 or an 1832 issue of the Journal of Asiatic Society of Bengal. Bengal. Oh wow, this goes far back. So mention is made of a sighting by native hunters in northern Nepal province of a hairy, tallest, bi, or tailless biped. Uh, the writer was a British resident in the court of Nepal, and he thought natives had seen an orangutan. Uh, but they're not known to exist in the mainland of China, so that seems far-fetched. Obviously. Or mainland of Asia, sorry. Um, so in the... Uh, is this a book? It's called, uh, Among the Himalayas mm-hmm. from 1899. I'm not sure if that's a... I'm guessing that's a book then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Major L.A. Waddle, who was the author, dismissed sightings of a mysterious wild man in Tibet as either tall tales or observations of... Great yellow snow bears. <laughs> Excuse me. Is that a thing? Great yellow. Let, let's consult. Yeah, look that up because I've never heard of great yellow snow bears. That doesn't seem like a real thing. Let me. I'm searching through the library of wisdom. I guess polar bears kind of have like a kind of yellowish tint to them. Interesting. Maybe that's what he's talking about, but I don't think there are polar bears in fucking Himalayas. Since these hairs are yellow, the polar bear's diet and environment can affect their color. Polar bears whose diet has a lot of seals in it can look light yellow because of the seals. There are polar bears in, the, in Nepal though. Well, wait, how do you know? Do you know? There can't be. <laughs> are you from I've Nepal? I've never heard. I know, but I've. I've there's seals in Nepal, right? <laughs> Google this. I don't believe that there are polar <laughs> bears in Nepal. Let's consult the Library of Wisdom, not Google. The Library of Wisdom. Our oh, vast way. library. It's actually got uh, 72,000 books in it. And exactly, 72,000. Actually, sorry, 72,001. Must include seals. Must inc- <laughs> What? Oh, your search in the Library of Wisdom? Yep. Okay. By so you have to put it in quotes when you're searching the library of wisdom. I mean, yeah, that's the only way the database works. Nope. there's no. I'm seeing nothing. Yeah, there's this. no polar bear. So why would he think great yellow snow bears? Maybe there's just something we're missing. I don't know, but we've been too hung up on this. So let's continue. Apparently, let's continue. Okay, so they took an expedition to Everest in 1921 uh, September. Lieutenant Colonel C K. Wait, what? Colonel Louis no. C K. Oh, his name is Lieutenant Colonel C.K. Howard Burry. Okay. So I just got lost. There's a lot of periods, and it was I just, the name just kept going on. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure if that was all his name or what. But, yes, his name was Lieutenant Colonel C.K. Howard Burry. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, him and his companions found enigmatic footprints three times the size of human tracks on the mountainside. Damn. The Sherpa guides attributed them to mate, or Mete. Man-like thing that is not a man. Hmm. But its mistranslation in Calcutta statement account of the imins- uh, the incident resulted in the unfortunate appellation uh, Abominable Snowman. <laughs> That's hilarious. So Meta Mete- turned Kami? into Abominable Snowman? That seems odd, but let's continue. Is it Meto kanmi No, it's a M-E-H-T-E-H. Meta. Oh, Man-like okay. thing that is not a man. Okay, gotcha. So Howard Burry believed the tracks were caused by a large loping gray wolf, which in the snow with with the yeah, which in the soft snow formed double tracks rather than those of a barefooted man. Hmm. Are those are those paws really big enough? To I don't think so. <laughs> this, these people are just full of bad theories. <laughs> How a, a loping wolf, a large loping gray wolf, so. Double track that no, I don't believe that even double tracks would be enough to be three times the size of a human footprint. Whoa, that just seems odd. A loping, a wild Carpathian gray wolf. I'm new to this term loping. Loping, is that like let's consult like some kind of jumping? I would assume. Let's consult the library. The library loping is to run or move with a long bounding stride. Yeah, okay. So apparently yeah, that's giant I leaps. A, I don't know. Uh, that sounds a little. Seems like a stretch to me. to me. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's see. Where was I? Damn it, um, his beliefs did not match the description of the footprints or the fact that there are, there are no no wolves in Himalayas. Well, that's so. kind of a big factor. Yeah. In this this guy just keeps thinking, oh, it's this animal. It's this animal. It's this animal. But none of them are fucking anywhere near that place the fuck nothing lives in nepal apparently so in 1925 a british photographer named n a tombazi saw at 15,000 feet near a glacier in the himalayan range a naked figure out a naked figure in outline exactly like a human being walking through the snow Hmm. its tracks were similar in shape to that of a human but only six to seven inches long by four inches wide at the broadest part of the foot Hmm. huh could it have been a person? Could it have just been a naked person going for a stroll? I doubt it. Typically, people don't walk through uh, snow wastelands naked. <laughs> uh, Wim Hof probably would. Who? You know about Wim Hof? No. Oh, the Iceman. <laughs> the Iceman. He, he's known for his, his feats of endurance okay. in, in the cold. and Maybe. Uh, there's, check out... This is, this is an unrelated endorsement, but check out, check out uh, the, uh, the Joe Rogan experience. Look up Wim Hof, W-I-M-H-O-F. Wim Hof. That's an interesting name. So maybe we can get this guy to recreate that scenario <laughs> and see if it works. See if it's conduct, plausible. We can conduct an experiment. We do have the technology. Yes, we can do this. Anyways, we'll, we'll come back to that. We'll, we'll get back. To that. Um, so he saw this uh, figure. Mm. Uh, the prints were undoubtedly of a biped. Uh, the order of the spore, that is tracks. So the order of the tracks having no characteristic whatsoever of any imaginable quadruped. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so it was most definitely biped. Yes, that's what they're claiming. Okay. Okay, so more recent sightings, September 1998. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. An American mountain climber named Craig Kalonica... Mm-hmm. was on his bat way back to base camp on the Chinese side of Mount Everest. He encountered two bipedal creatures, yetis, walking together. They hmm. had thick, shiny black fur, which I thought yeti had white fur. Yeah, I thought we were talking about the white-yellow fur that was yeah. potentially polar bears. Apparently these ones had shiny black fur, though, uh, with long arms and large hands. Hmm. Uh, his Nepali cook also saw yeti, uh, and he was firm in his assi- his insistence that... What I saw was not human, not a gorilla, not a bear, not a goat, and it was not a deer. <laughs> Which he half was... of those don't even match the description of what he saw, so yeah, seems was... a bit odd. But no, not... Craig was insistent, and this, this isn't just a nobody. I right? guess those are all creatures that are in the Himalayas, except for I don't think gorillas are. Then Craig was one of our boys. Uh, apparently, he represented the U.S. Ski Team in speed skiing right. from 1974 to 87. Right on. Where he consistently placed among the top five and ten in the world. Right on. So he wasn't. He's not great. Maybe, uh, maybe hypothermia will do some crazy shit. I don't know. I've never uh, experienced it. All right. S- so seems he seems legit. A famous Italian mountain climber named Reinhold Messner. Mm-hmm. told reporters uh, in 1986 and in 1997, he experienced a total of four Yeti sightings. Ho-ho! In one case, he said he was so close to one that he could easily have touched it. He also obtained a skeleton, and he took clear photographs of the animals. They were, he alleged, large bears that often walked on two feet. Really? His book, Yeti Legend und Werklichkeits work- work- Who's that? That's oh, Reinhold, Reinhold Messner. All right. He, he, he looks he, grizzled and badass. He looks like a grizzled version of the Big Lebowski. A little bit. He looks like the dude. So his book was Yeti, Legend, und wurkleck Kit. Kit? I'm okay. not sure. I, I don't speak German. Uh. Uh, but it was published in German in 1998. Okay. But it doesn't reveal anything earth-shaking, so why even mention it? <laughs> We dig, we dig to the depths of the barrel here on the Pickle and Gravy <laughs> Production LLC podcast. So, what is the Yeti? Mesner's bear? Howard Burry's wolf? The British resident Serenitang? Hmm. A mythological creature? Or an unknown Yeah, arth- an- anthropoid? 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 <laughs> <laughs> anthropoid. That's what it says. Okay. But, regardless, the controversy continues. Interesting. The but at the heart, of the yeti continues. there are okay. sightings, prints, and even physical evidence that seem to resist mundane accounting. Hmm. The Yeti is not one creature, but several different types of unknown primates, all known as the Yeti. Hmm. Interesting. And so and so, the sightings were, did you say it was on Everest? Uh, yes. Interesting. So, um, let's see. Uh, people from all over the world have had sightings of the creature, though. Mm-hmm. Um, reports also come from Sherpa, Nepalese, and Tibetan people who inhabit the region. Descriptions are consistent, and sympathetic investigators believe they can discern two or three different kinds of animals from them. Okay. One is the mete, um, whose zoologist Edward Cronin found tracks of what he believed to be that animal in a 1972 scientific expedition. Hmm. And so he's got a summary of it in his book, The Arun, and this is a description of from that book. Mm. Its body is stocky, ape-like in shape, with distinctly human quality to it, in contrast to that of a bear. Stands five and a half feet tall, and is covered with short, coarse hair, reddish-brown to black in color, sometimes with white patches on the chest. The hair is longest on the shoulders. The face is robust, the teeth are quite large, though fans are not present. And the mouth's wide. You know, it's only like five foot. What you say? Five foot five. Five and a half feet. <laughs> it's not that big. It's could just be a fucked up human. It's just a really hairy man. I mean, there's conditions where people have <laughs> excess body hair all over their bodies. Yeah. I, I don't re- remember what the name of it is, but you can find pictures of them on, and they look like I could easily see if somebody saw a person like that thinking it was some wild man human. Yeah. And you know what? When you have hair like that all over your body, you're real warm constantly. So you want to get somewhere cold. So you get naked, (laughs) and you go in the snow for a jaunt. (laughs) (laughs) For a stroll through the snow. Exactly. And someone says, I fucking found a mythological creature. (laughs) So the shape of the head is also conical with a pointed crown. Gross. The arms are long, reaching almost to the knees. The shoulders are heavy and hunched, and there is no tail. (laughs) So it mentions here that the head is conical with with a pointed crown. I've actually seen um, there's a temple somewhere in Nepal, I believe, that supposedly has the skull cap of a Yeti. (laughs) Really? Yes, but they don't let anybody see it. I think there are some pictures of it online. But apart from that, like nobody ever sees it, nobody can touch it, nobody can do any research on it. But they claim it's the skull cap of a yeti. Oh, I'm I'm seeing uh, there's there's an image here of a world's a world books artist who completed an illustration of one of those conical heads. Okay, and uh, here's here's that beauty. He's pointing with pride at his creation. (laughs) Uh, That's a decent drawing. Much better than what I could do. It's a it's it's a gorilla looking creature with a cone head. Yeah. Maybe a sagittal crest in there. Well wasn't there a what's that what the guy from Ghostbusters? The crazy guy. Uh what's his name? The name escapes me right now. He's uh, he's he's got that crystal crystal skull vodka. I'm totally blanking on his Uh, name right now. I am not one for Ghostbusters lore. I study real ghosts. Okay.
1: Dan Aykroyd. That's his name. Oh, Dan. <laughs> oh, I don't even know, I don't even remember where Dan I was going with that. Coneheads. Oh yeah, it's Coneheads. Yeah, had a cone That's
0: head. what that makes me think of. Uh, yep. Anyways, sorry. Back to the yeti. Back to what's important. So there's another theory. So we're back to those three different creatures that they think that the yeti might be. Mm-hmm. There's also the Zute, which means big thing. Um, it's a big hulking animal that is usually quadruped but can walk as a biped. Hmm.
1: Uh,
0: It may be an uncatalogued large bear, is one theory, but this is an animal that the Reinhold Mesner claims to have seen. He collected tales of the chemo, which is another name for the Zute, uh, which merely reinforced the conclusion that the animal is the bear. The fact that the Zute raided small livestock holdings and leave behind clawed prints uh one on top of another is a certain indicator that this yeti is a bear so the third type of yeti is the te telima, telima. looks like telima uh, which seems related to another anthropoid the protopygmies reported from throughout some of the remoter tropical valleys of asia hmm. gerald russell's experiment experiences with the daily mail expedition in 1954 and Tom Slick's expedition of 1957 to 1959 produced much evidence for the reality of the Telima's presence. Telima! So they found footprints, they sighted some, and they also found feces.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Finally some proof we can get behind. <laughs> so uh, some 40 years ago, the Telima was the major yeti that was seen and discussed by zoologists who thought it would be caught soon. Mm-hmm. But sadly, by 1960, most of the funding for Yeti exper- expeditions had dried up, and the talima remains ex- elusive. Damn, that's unfortunate. Yeah. You, you want to hear Messner's account? Sure, yeah. Or, yeah at least yeah. the uh, the general description. Reinhold Messner bumped into his first Yeti in Tibet in 86. He'd gone for a walk on his own and gotten a bit lost. And a, a walk for Messner is not what most people mean by a walk. <laughs> On this one, he was trying to follow a route taken by Sherpa people centuries ago in the flight from the lands of Dege to Lhasa, which is a walk of about 1,200 miles. That's a long walk. (laughs) It was... Jeez. It was dusk, and he was climbing a steep, densely vegetated slope when suddenly something very large and dark stepped out ahead of him. Creepy. He watched it racing along in front, flitting in and out of the trees, upright like a man, but moving faster than any man could. Okay. Neither branches nor ditches slowed it down. At one point, it stood motionless only ten yards away, then disappeared. So it just vanished. It it just vanished? Huh. Maybe it has powers of teleportation? I mean... There are theories that Bigfoot is, like, some quantum creature who, like, <laughs> can travel between dimensions and stuff like that. So Of course. I mean, they thought it was a wolf two minutes ago. Yeah, no. So they're all over the place. All bets are on the table. It's pretty much, who knows, let's just guess everything. And <laughs> I don't know what they hope to achieve with that, but that's their plan, apparently. Maybe it was a wolf. And he saw it again later that night, running in the moonlight. It looked more than seven feet tall and immensely strong, but agile, too. It was covered in hair with short legs and long, powerful arms. Yep. Short legs and common. long arms. Interesting. It made angry, hissing noises. <laughs> and for a second... Yeah, thank, thank you for the <laughs> reproduction. For a second, he saw its eyes and teeth before it ran off into the trees. Its eyes and teeth. Is that the end of the account? That's all that. Yeah, that's that's okay. the main. That's the first yeah. experience which ignited his fascination with the yeti. Okay, so uh, basically, conclusion: there are a lot of different theories, but nobody really knows. Interesting, folks. Folks, if you happen to be in the Himalayas and you're on your 1,200 mile hike, bring a camera. Bring a camera. Yeah, bring a camera all the time. If I mean, you got everybody's got a fucking phone in their pocket now. It can take fantastic <laughs> pictures. There's no excuse. If that thing's out there, we should be able to take a picture of it. Right. This no is excuse. A, we're in the age of Google Earth. If you don't have a camera, you're doing a disservice to humanity. We need to capture these things on film. We need to make sure we need to prove that they're real. Exactly. So if you see something seven foot tall and it's hissing at you. Just take whether it's human or not, I don't care. It Could be a giant snake. Could be a which would be fucking cool too. <laughs> a snake that stands up seven feet tall and yep. starts hissing at you. Yep, do you that'd snakes, be fantastic. Do snakes hiss at you. I snakes rattle at you. No, nah, there's some snakes that hiss, like cobras. Oh, crazy! Yeah, you ever, you ever seen like a video of a cobra and no. it like comes out and it's like. Tss, tss, like I that. study the paranormal. I don't well, yeah. study the normal. <laughs> <laughs> normal can be fun too. <laughs> And thus ends the tale of the yeti. The tale of the yeti. Yeah. Well, let's uh, we say we venture into some different territory. What, what do you got in mind? So I've I've got some uh, paranormal resources here. Ooh. What fun. uh? What do you know about the evil eye? The evil eye. Is that like a stink eye? The it's 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 the legend of <laughs> someone gives you the evil eye and okay. then you're you're cursed after that. Your eye falls out. Yep. Your eye falls out. Ooh. It's <laughs> it gets nasty. All right, the, continue. Let's let's go through let's go through the history of the evil eye. Right on. The the evil eye is well known throughout history. It's mentioned in ancient. Sorry, sorry what what's the source on this? Oh, this so this is from this is from livescience.com. All right, uh, this is an article on the evil eye. Uh, it, it's mentioned in ancient Greek and Roman texts. As well as many famous literary works, including the Bible. Okay. This is from this is Proverbs twenty three six. Yep, this is the evil eye. As as Proverbs twenty three six says, "Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, neither desire thou his dainty meats." Don't even touch his meats if he's got an evil eye. Don't okay. even get near it. That's what huh. God says. That's uh, that's direct from Proverbs. The, it's also mentioned in the Quran and the Shakespeare's plays. I mean, I, I would guess Shakespeare was inspired by, took a lot of stuff from the Bible, I would assume. Interesting. So this is pretty widespread. Apparently, there's a 1976 uh, cross-cultural survey by uh, folklorist, John Roberts, and he found that 36% of cultures believed in the evil eye. So 30, what is it, though? 36%. Well, I don't know what it is yet. Let's let's continue. Ex- let's explore. Don't if you see someone with an evil looking eye, don't. It just seems like a guy, somebody who's just got a, like a mad expression <laughs> on their face. Doesn't seem anything supernatural. Well, let's uh, let's explore this more. It's, oh, a, I want to get into this. It's essentially a specific type of magical curse, and it has its roots in magical thinking and superstition. Let's say a person experiences bad luck, ill health, accident, or some unexplained calamity. Perhaps a drought or an infectious disease, okay. or you crash your car, something horrible happened. Huh. Uh, the, before science could explain weather patterns and germ theory, any bad event for which there was not an obvious cause might be blamed on a curse, yep. and the, the evil eye was apparently one of these commonly blamed It's always magic. Uh, a curses. wizard did it. It's always, oh, you got the evil eye, that something bad happened to you. A wizard always did it. Uh, curses like the evil eye are an answer to the age-old question of why bad things happen to good people. Eyes are said to have special powers. They are said to be the gateway to a person's soul, as you probably heard. The gateway to the soul. Shifting eyes are said to subtly betray liars, while a steady gaze may be endearing or menacing, depending on the circumstances. (laughs) Eyes have a certain power to them. Um, glaring or intense staring can convey power or authority over another. Okay. Nothing supernatural yet, just but. That's what I do to my sister's dog. I <laughs> stare the dog <laughs> down, and she's just like, "All right, you're the boss, man." You stare into that dog's soul, and yep. then it obeys your commands. <laughs> um, it and uh, the the emotion of jealousy is what underlies the evilized cultural association with magic. Okay. Apparently. It's all about jealousy. Belief in the power of the eyes is so powerful that any eye affliction has come to suggest evil and bad luck. Huh. People who are cross-eyed, or they have uncontrollable eye twitches or spasms, or who merely have a, a prominent squint, have, have been shunned and feared throughout history as provoking bad luck. No, that's just rude. <laughs> it's it's there's no like basis for this. It's <laughs> just. You, your, your eyes are weird. So you're fucking evil, man. Yeah, <laughs> the dude yeah, with the wonky eyes. Eye. Why? Did, why did? Why did that drought happen? Why did my family starve? I think it was that guy with the wonky eye. People always gotta find excuses. They always gotta blame somebody. <laughs> um. Babies and children are said to be especially susceptible to harm from the evil eye. So, So like, somebody with an evil eye comes up to a... You need to keep those people away from children. Keep them away from your kids. Jesus. Don't even let them look at that wonky eye. What's wrong with people? There's many countries, including Greece, Romania, and India, where praising a child publicly is sometimes considered taboo because the compliment will draw the attention of the evil eye. Okay, Don't... The fuck! This is why you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't praise your kids for anything, (laughs) because someone with an evil eye might look at them and give them a curse. Just scold them. Just scold them. Scold them forever. (laughs) In order to ward off the evil eye, parents of a thoughtlessly praised child may ask the person who gave the compliment to immediately spit in the child's face. What the fuck, (laughs) folks? You want to save your kid? Right in its <laughs> face. That will ward that's off. That's just child abuse. This is history. <laughs> that's how you save your child. You gotta spit in its face.
1: <laughs> Good God, what's wrong with people?
0: N- that's because that's because the the youngster has been brought down a peg, and any harm by the evil eye is unnecessary. So the spit is it's harmless, but it's insulting enough to negate the compliment, so it protects I don't, I don't them buy it. from the curse. I don't believe that's harmless. <laughs> well Well, I'm pretty bad. sure legally that's assault. I think that's pe- well, you've never encountered the evil eyes, so <laughs> you never know. Um, th- apparently, the best way to deal with the evil eyes is just to avoid it in the first place. The method varies by culture and geographic region and personal preference. In, in Latin America, it's known as mal de ojo. And, de ojo. and belief in it is essentially is essentially widespread in rural areas. For example, in Puerto Rico, newborns are often given a good luck charm called an azabaque to protect them from the evil eye. Azabaque. All right. Yeah, I'm I'm looking online, and uh, there's it's, a lot of different kinds of charms, and uh, yeah, I'm taking a, a lots of talismans associated with the evil eye. So apparently, it's it's sort of like a a, a bracelet with. See, it's got, like, a, a stone on the end of it, it looks like. And apparently this has the power to ward off the evil eye. Uh, I- side note, I'm also looking, uh, <laughs> apparently in Italy, there's some hand gestures that ward off the evil eye. Ooh. And so one of them's the fig sign, which is just kind of like a fist with your thumb tucked underneath. Okay. But then the other one's fucking straight-up rock on. Oh, Fucking devil yeah. horns. So, folks, have you ever been to a metal concert? <laughs> People are holding up the devil horns. Ronnie James Dio, rest in peace. That is warding off the evil eye. That wards off the evil eye, and apparently also amulets can be worn to deter yep. the evil eye. Often using the color blue, which symbolizes heaven or godliness. Okay. And an eye symbol, so uh, especially a blue eye. That's, that's yep. very yeah. powerful. That, that seems a very very common uh, iconography for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, charms and potions and spells can also be prepared. Also garlic. Little note fact, garlic can be used to deter the evil eye, and some believe that just saying the word garlic offers protection. Garlic. 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 Hey, Mildred, you got any more garlic? I just want some garlic. Okay. (laughs) 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 Folks, we don't want to scare you away from this podcast. We don't want to get it too spooky. But I love garlic. (laughs) Garlic. Folks, whip up your spaghetti, put some garlic on there, protect yourself from the evil eye, spit in your kid's face. It's just common sense. And fucking rock on. And fucking rock on. Often the people who believe they've been hardened by an evil eye will seek out shamans or witch doctors or psychics or some kind of spiritual healer that can remove the curse. There there are several ways to cure it. One traditional method for Mexico involves the use of a raw egg. <laughs> what do you do with it dude if you got raw eggs and garlic you drink it you are safe do you throw it at somebody so you take the egg is apparently a a universal symbol of purity and birth and it's said to absorb it's said to absorb evil energies as it passes over the forehead and prone body of the victim okay crack (laughs) that egg on their forehead Mm. spit (laughs) in their face and they are cured baby uh, Put on some Black Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> the egg is then broken over a bowl of water, and the resulting forms closely examined for any unusual shapes. Oh, so that's like that's like egg mancy. That's like oval mancy. Re- read that again. Uh, the egg is then broken over a bowl of water, and the resulting forms okay. are closely examined yeah. for any unusual shapes. Cool. So I dig th- it. This sounds like oval mancy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oval mancy. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's good. An um, in, in oval or an eye shape seen in the yoke or the whites is said to indicate that the evil eye's power has been successfully removed from the victim. So okay. in oval, an eye shape, you're good. Uh, some claim that the gender of the person who cast the evil eye can be determined from the shapes, hmm. but this is not verified. Interesting. It's, it's tempting to view this evil eye as an ancient, discredited belief that plays no role in our world, but as, uh, as Dundee's uh, notes. Who, who's Dundee? Dundee's is a... As in uh, crocodile? A crocodile Dundee's. <laughs> okay. with, with an S at the end. All yeah, right. Crocodile Dundee minus the E plus the S minus the crocodile. Okay. Uh, as he says, he's a folklorist. Yes. We, sh- we should keep in mind that the evil eye is not some old-fashioned superstitious belief of interest solely to antiquarians. The evil eye continues to be a powerful factor affecting the behavior of countless millions of people throughout the world. Well, I mean, it's a widely held belief, but d- does that give it credibility? What do you think? No, absolutely not. Yes. Plenty of people believe insane things that are widely held. Like, there's fucking insane people who don't believe in vaccines. There's a lot of them. It's why wi- it's a widely held belief, unfortunately. But there's zero credibility there, folks. You you better vaccinate your kids and spit in their face. Spit in their face. Crack an egg on their forehead, put in a bowl of water. Read those shapes. <laughs> that's that's the moral of this, uh, this yes. entire podcast. Um, the, though, let's see, it, it can be it can be dangerous in some circumstances. Anytime a person believes that another has harmed them, whether naturally or supernaturally, there's the potential for deadly retribution. Like other accursed witches and sorcerers over the centuries, many people have been attacked, beaten, and killed for casting an evil eye. Goddamn. So, you, you know why people you do People are brutal. You don't see too many wonky people, like wonky-eyed people around. That's <laughs> because uh, their, their genes were snuffed out <laughs> very quick. Good God. Someone said, look at that fucking eye, dude. You're casting a curse on me. It's a messed up world out there, people. It's, uh, it's a rough world. What a wonderful world. What an evil world. (laughs) I see fire and brimstone. (laughs) I see lots of corpses. That Yeti might be a bear. (laughs) Or not. (laughs) Or it might be a dead horses. (laughs) And I think to myself... What an evil world! This needs background music. <laughs> oh man! So that's that's the uh, so that's the summary of the the legend of the evil eye. The legend of the evil eye. Yeah, I'm looking online. Apparently, a uh, there's a list of the names of the evil eye in various languages. Mm. In English, it's evil eye. Of course. In Arabian, it's Siri kek. Oh, what was it? Or sinikek. Ooh, okay. meaning bad eye. Okay. We got Chinese, which I can't even read the text. <laughs> uh, she is she young, Okay. meaning evil eye, or simply she young. Sounds good. Uh, you've got Dutch. It's het boze oog, meaning the malicious eye or the angry eye. Interesting. In German, you got bozerblick, blick, evil gaze. Boser blick. This is a very common. Phenomenon. Yeah, it's a worldwide. You got Japanese, you got Joshi is Japanese. Uh Malaysian is kanu Pede- P- uh peduka. Kanu peduka. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we it's do all study Malaysian place. here on the podcast. We were just studying Malaysian before the podcast. Spanish <laughs> Malde Ojo, meaning evil from the eye. Mal de ojo. Yeah, it's it's very common across the world cultures. Interesting. Yeah. Um, the evil eye. Well, let's uh, let's let's venture into some new territory. We've explored right. the evil eye. I've got a little story for you. Okay, All right, hit me. Are you familiar with the Kentucky goblins? <laughs> Excuse me, Kentucky the, uh, goblins. Uh, le, le, I, I, what's the? Le, give me one second. Kentucky goblin. You just uh, mean like unsightly people from Kentucky? No, uh, the Kelly Hop Hopkinsville encounter of the Kentucky goblins. Mm. No, no. This, this is just one person who saw it? All right, so let's get into this. Okay. All right, so uh, this is from the Skeptical Inquirer from December 2006. Okay. So on the evening of Sunday, August 21st, 1955, ah. there were 11 people present at the Kelly Sutton Farmhouse. Okay. Uh, so you've got the widowed family matriarch, Glenny Lankford, she was 50 years old. Mm-hmm. You've got her children, Lonnie, Charlton, and Mary, uh, 12, 10, and 7, respectively. Okay. Uh, she's got her two sons from a previous marriage, Elmer Lucky Sutton, 25, <laughs> and John Charlie J.C. Sutton, 21. These are some classic American names. Yep. And then their wives are there uh, Vera and Aline, uh, 29 and 27. Mm-hmm. Aline's brother, O.P. Baker, he was about 30, between 30 and 35, nobody really knows. And a Pennsylvania couple, Billy Ray Taylor, who is 21, and his wife June Taylor, who is 18. Okay, Uh, this this is an old fashioned family get together in 1955. So uh, the Taylors, along with Lucky and Vera, had been visiting, and uh, they were occasional carnival workers, so they're just in the area and they're just spending time with their family. Okay. So at 7 p.m., one of the men went out of the house to get a bucket of water. He saw what looked like a flying saucer come over the trees. And land in a field at a point of about a city block behind the house. Okay. There was no explosion, only a semi-hissing sound, and the watcher. So, and then after he saw that, he went back to the house with a bucket of water. (laughs) Well, time to go back in. (laughs) Okay. So according to Joe Nickel, it was Billy Ray Taylor, uh, the one of the visiting couple, Mm -hmm. uh, who was getting the water. And according to the researcher Isabel Davis, who the, investigated the case in 1956, uh, Billy Ray Taylor was different from the other eyewitnesses. And this is a quote. Okay. Um, he had looked at creatures with extravagant success. He was the only member of the group who appeared to arouse immediate doubt in everyone who had talked to him. Even among the family, he had a low standing. When he first- <laughs> so nobody fucking liked him. <laughs> <laughs> Don't believe a... What is this guy's name again? Uh, Billy Ray Taylor. B- Billy. Billy. Get in the corner. They, they just they banished Billy to his own closet. <laughs> Billy wasn't allowed to talk. Fuck Billy. Nobody likes Billy. So. Um, Where was I? Okay. So when he first came into the house and reported a spaceship, nobody paid attention to him. <laughs> okay. Later <laughs> during the investigations, he basked in the limelight of pl- publicity. He elaborated and embroidered his description of the creatures, though not his description of the spaceship. But he eventually produced the most imaginative and least credible of the little men's sketches. Oh, fantastic. Do, you, do we have an image? Um, I've got some images of what the goblins looked like, but I don't know. I don't think I have any of his sketches, but uh, we can get into that in a bit. Mm. Okay. okay. Uh, so sev- several skeptics who labeled the story a hoax referred to him as the probable originator, and his behavior was in sharp contrast to that of the other witnesses, none of whom aroused such prompt suspicion in the investigators. <laughs> okay, so later in the evening, uh, Nichols states that a barking dog attracted Taylor and Lucky Sutton outside. The following timeline comes from the uh, newspaper, uh, newspaper reporting from that period after the events from the Kentucky New Era, which is the newspaper. Okay. So these this is actual writing from right after this event occurred. Okay. It was reporting in the news. So, a short time later, somebody reported some little men with big heads and long arms were approaching the house. The men were described as having huge eyes and hands out of proportion to their small bodies the visitors were wearing what looked like to be metal plate. So they're wearing some kind of armor. Interesting. Metallic. Yeah. Okay. Maybe like kind of like those, uh, like that sci-fi, like 50s sci-fi space suit where it's just like a metallic jumpsuit. Yeah. That's, that's like what that, I'm maybe. imagining. They're just basically wrapped up in tinfoil. Yeah. Head to toe. Okay. So the men went and got their guns. Uh, Sutton got a shotgun mm-hmm. and then, uh, Taylor got a 22 or a 0.22 caliber target pistol. Mm. Uh, By and by, oh, what? By and by, one of the little men pressed his face against the window, and the shotgun was fired through the window, at which point the face immediately disappeared. (laughs) Fire! (laughs) (laughs) So, the men decided to go outside and see if the visitor had been hit. Uh, Taylor was in the front, and when he emerged from the front door, a huge hand reached down from the low roof above the door and grabbed him by the hair. He pulled away, and the two men went on out of the house. Wow. So uh, something, there's something running around out something there. Something grabbed that man. Yeah. So um, one of the, they, apparently one of the strange little men was in a nearby tree. Uh, another one was on top of the house, and a blast from Sutton's shotgun knocked another one of the men down, but he, he did not appear hurt. Hmm. And then he went on to disappear into the darkness. So then Taylor reportedly opened fire on the other members of the invading party with little effect. The battle went on for some time, and when the occupants of the house saw their chance, they jumped into their cars and drove to Hopkinsville for help. So. Wow. So, so we we've had a gunfight with these tiny long-armed one-sided gunfight. They're just shooting these things. <laughs> and apparently, it seems like these things aren't getting phased by it. They're just running off and causing more mayhem a little bit later. We got yes, some, we got some alien drawings by the Sutton family here. They have so they have, are those the drawings from the Suttons? This is apparently from the Sutton family. Okay, this, yep. they have I, I've got massive, those pictures. Massive ears, yeah, huge ears, big long arms that reach almost to their feet. It, it looks like similar to the Roswell aliens, just like a little, The eyes are a little bit smaller. A little bit, yeah, big flappy ears. And a, a strange kind of, like, triangular body shape. Yeah, they're just, like, little childlike creature, alien creatures. Interesting. It looks like alien hominid a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so um, about 11 o'clock, two cars, one bearing a Pennsylvania ric- license plate, drove up to the Hopkinsville police headquarters. Mm-hmm. Officers at the station said that the two cars contained at least five adults and several children and all of them appeared highly excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that, that'll excite you. So uh, one of them told the police about how something resembling a spaceship or a flying saucer had landed at the back of their house near Kelly, mm-hmm. and 12 or 15 men who appeared to be about 4 feet tall had gotten out of the ship and come up to the house and done battle with the occupants. <laughs> 12 to 15. Yeah. They were, were a bunch of these they on were getting a reconnaissance mission. Yep. They were getting invaded hard. So they said, we need help. We've been fighting them for nearly four hours. Mm -hmm. So Deputy Sheriff Batts said that the men told him that they all fired up about four four boxes of point twenty two pistol shells. And the officer quoted to a neighbor saying he heard shooting over at the Sutton's house, but distinguished only about four shots and mistook them for firecrackers. So they claimed (laughs) they shot four boxes of shells. But their neighbors only heard like four gunshots. Interesting. So there seems seems like they're exaggerating their story a little There's bit. There's a little disconnect here. Yeah. So at this point, um, they amassed a giant party to go down to the Kelly, uh the Kelly House, the Sutton house in Kelly. Um, more than a dozen state, county, and city officers from Christian and Hopkins counties went to the scene between <laughs> eleven PM and midnight and remained until after 2 p.m. without seeing anything either to prove or disprove the story about the ship and its occupants. Wow. How how would you feel as a regular police officer? They say, hey, there's some fucking aliens down here. We've been shooting shotguns at them all night. From the sound of it, this is a small town in the middle of nowhere. I'm sure those police officers were fucking excited to do anything. They said, we'll take it. I can't imagine how boring it would be being a small town cop. Good so gosh. if fucking a group, two cars show up with fucking 10 people saying, there's aliens, we've been fighting them for hours, <laughs> Like I'd be on that shit. I, I concur. I agree. <laughs> okay, so among them, uh, we've got Chief Russell Greenwell. You've got T.C. Gross, Doris Francis, and Gray Salter. Mm-hmm. Those are four city police. They drove to the scene to see about the little men. Uh, by radio, they contacted the state troopers R.N. Ferguson Jr. and G.W. Riley, as well as Deputy Sheriff George Batts, all of whom joined the motorcade to Kelly in their own vehicles. Wow, there's an entire motorcade of these people. Okay. There were also four MPs who decided to go. For some reason. I don't know what they're even doing there. Is there a military base out there? Uh, I'm not sure. It, you know, it was the 50s. Just random MPs hanging out there. We were hyped up from the war. We were still <laughs> itching to go. So the, um, there were also two Hopkins County deputy sheriffs who overheard the radio discussions and decided to join them as well. Okay. And at least three state troopers from the station at Madisonville. So there's a whole fucking army going to this place. Oh my god. If I was from a near you bet your ass I would show up. Fuck yeah. What's going on? Like down even here? I'm I'm sure like there was some guy who just like tuning into like the local police frequencies. And he's like, Oh shit, this sounds awesome and he'd probably join them too. <laughs> Picked up his pitchfork and he was on his way. Hell yeah. yeah. Okay. So first arrivers found the scene deserted. Mm -hmm. The two cars which had brought the report to Hopkinsville did not return to the Kelly Farm until after the officers had arrived and looked at the situation. The officers reported they found no tracks of little men, nor were there any marks indicating anything had landed at the described spot behind the house. There was a hole in the screen at the window through which occupants said a shot had been fired at one of the strange little men, though. So Hmm. they at least fired one shot that we are aware of interesting so they did fire through the window most of the officers remained at the site for more than two hours Mm -hmm. and during that period there were approximately 25 people at the scene the only excitement during the period was when one of the officers uh wait sorry the only excitement during the period the officers were there came when an mp happened to step on a cat's tail while walking in the darkness near the house The cat let out a squall, and for a few seconds, there was much activity and scurrying around on part of those presents. That cat made history with its screech. So that's all that happened the entire night. That's amazing. So uh, two officers (laughs) returned to the Kelly area early that morning Uh, and reported hearing that the little men had reappeared uh, around the Sutton home around 3 a.m. after they had left. So two um, other investigators who went to Kelly later that morning uh, said they were told Sutton and Taylor had gone to Evansville. So they just up and vanished. Yeah, that's a little suspicious. Yeah. Oh Well, I I mean, maybe not. I I mean, the family went back to the house and stayed there, and then they reported more creatures, but the two patriarchs are fucking gone. Huh. They're just gone. So I don't know. That is mysterious. So then officers visited the scene. Uh, Let me me reread this. Mm. Um, Officials appeared to agree that there was no drinking involved. The only outspoken comment came from Frank Dudas, uh, the city police (laughs) desk sergeant, Uh who was not on duty that night and had not visited the scene. And he said, I think the whole story is entirely possible. (laughs) That's his quote. (laughs) <laughs> that is entirely possible. Well, a- apparently, like initially, public opinion was that this whole story was a hoax. I mean, because, yeah. well, but if, if it was a hoax, there are some questions to be answered. Why would the family make up such an incredible claim? They made no... Especially when there's, they make, made up the claim that they fought the creatures for four hours. There yeah. would be spent shells everywhere. And when I, the officers showed up, there was nothing. But they they didn't make any money off of this. Like what there seemed to be no motivation besides like local fame Yeah. for them to actually do this. Why would they shoot holes in the walls of their own home? One hole. I mean, is what just, the re- okay, officers just, just reported. Just one hole. So yeah, I'm not sure. But uh Mysterious. Yeah, it's it just seems odd because uh like, it, se- it seems possible that they thought they saw something and were shooting at it, but then why exaggerate to that extent? Yeah, four that's... hours and four boxes of shells? <laughs> this is sounding like that somebody's— That would be everywhere. This Maybe somebody's shotgun just accidentally went off, <laughs> and they're like, we need to craft an entire tale around this because I can't be caught— knowing that <laughs> why why go to the police with that unless it was like something serious like maybe they accidentally murdered somebody oh <laughs> maybe they had a but then had, again why go to the cops maybe they had a gross like long armed weird-headed son that they didn't like and they're like we can pawn this boy off as a goblin i don't know it seems odd that but mysterious. yeah that's the hopkinsville encounter and uh People aren't entirely sure what they saw, but apparently in that area, there's been other reports uh, more recently. Really? Um, 2012, April 22nd, uh, Greg Newkirk of the website Week in Weird reportedly received an email from a man identified to us only as David begging for help. Hmm. And this is David's letter. Hello, my name is David. I received your contact information through a mutual acquaintance who assures me that you are well-equipped to investigate peculiar problems. Furthermore, I believe you may have interest in these events beyond any compensation that I'm prepared to deliver in order to have these issues sorted. For the past six months, I have been living in a rural home located on the border of West Virginia and Kentucky, where my family is nightly assaulted by creatures that I have come to believe are of an extraterrestrial origin. Nightly? Nightly. Okay. So, um, uh-huh. these beans appear to be the size and stature of a small child, devoid of any facial features, save for large, oily eyes and lipless mouths. So, that seems pretty close to what that picture was. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Of the yep. Kelly Hopkinsville one. It checks out. So, uh, they frighten my children by peering in their bedroom windows, chirping at one another, and they actively attempt to enter my home in the middle of the night. They're wow. chirping. Are they, are they birds? <laughs> oh, you know alien language. <laughs> it's just like burp, there's some clicks in there.
1: Chup, chup, chup. Cheep cheap, cheap, cheap. <laughs> cheep cheep
0: cheep. Yeah, they should have tried to talk to these fucking Kentucky goblins. Alright, um You're just a little chicken. <laughs> <laughs> <All right>. uh, <laughs> last month they took my dog. The police refused to provide any further assistance, attributing the problems to wild animals, and forwarding my complaints to the State Game Commission. (laughs) So nobody believes this guy. State Game Commission. Every night, these fucking things are outside my house, scaring my kids. It's just fucking birds. Just just, just say cheap, cheap at them, and they'll go away. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So that's the mystery of the Kentucky Goblin. So the, the, the letter continues. Oh, okay. I believe they are coming from an abandoned mine located on the edge of my property. Oh, this is, is getting <laughs> creepy. Abandoned mine. Though I'm armed, I'm afraid that I'm far too frightened to enter the mine by my lonesome, and I cannot convince any sympathetic friends to accompany me, though I cannot blame them. I'm convinced that the an- only answer is to collapse the mine. <sighs> I believe this is where we can be mutually beneficial to one another. If you are prepared to assist me in this matter, I can offer you permission to record and document these events under the condition of anonymity. Mm-hmm. I can guarantee you evidence of these creatures, which I assure you are not wild animals. Please respond ASAP. Thank you. That's his letter. Wow. Yeah, he, he sounds very thoroughly convinced. So the writer at and Weird, Greg. What was that? Was that a ghost? Probably. I think that was a ghost. Probably. Or the dumpster. But probably a ghost. The ghost dumpster. <laughs> Taking out the garbage of past lives. Haunted to always and forever, eternally, take out the garbage. Forever and ever. What a fate. Uh, that would be the worst. That That's more like hell than anything. That's... It's, that's forever. You, you, you go take out the garbage. You throw it in the dumpster. You go back into your apartment. And then you walk in. And the garbage is there in the can again. And you're like, I thought I just took this out. And you're like, ah, shit. Okay, well, fine. I'll, I guess I'll take out the garbage. And so you take it. You bundle it all up. You mm-hmm. go out to the dumpster. You toss it in. And you go back to the house. Mm-hmm. And then there's fucking garbage in the trash can again. And you're like, what the? F- I don't I, I get this. I swear I just took it out. That doesn't make any sense. Idiot. But I, I guess I'll fucking take out the garbage. And it just keeps going on endlessly and endlessly and endlessly and <laughs> for eternity until you go insane and die again. <laughs> and then you're in hell 2.0. Where the garbage is twice as heavy. Twice as heavy, oh god, that's the worst. Good god. And it's fucking freezing as shit outside. Absolutely horrifying. Huh?
1: I don't even know how he got off on this tangent.
0: Oh, yeah, the garbage can. Scary garbage. (laughs) All right. Anyways. Anyway. So Greg thought this was a joke, Mm. and uh, he wrote back saying that they had no experience with extraterrestrials or explosives, (laughs) but they'd be happy to help if he wouldn't mind giving them a little more detail and providing some evidence. Mm. Um, He also posted this email to a paranormal message board where everybody started to speculate. Okay. So the next day, David emailed back, Thank you for the prompt response. I do not blame you for being skeptical of my story. I appreciate you keeping an open mind about my situation, and I am more than happy to provide you with as much information as I am able. I was given your contact information through a man by the name of Terry Reist. And then there's an editor's note. Mm-hmm. Um, he left this name untouched due to its revelance and the fact that he doesn't believe it's a real person. Which, hmm. the, uh, apparently, there will be more on that later. The recipient of the letter, of the letter didn't believe he was a real person? Yeah, the, so the editor uh, didn't believe Terry Reest was a real person. And Terry Reest is who David was claiming he got their information from. Okay. Okay, so, um, when the disturbances first began occurring, I was only inclined to confide in a personal friend who I knew had fringe interests. He offered to share my concerns with a man that dealt with somewhat similar experiences in previous years. I accepted his offer. Within a week, I was informed that this gentleman had long since retired from pursuits of this kind, but was willing to provide me with contacts who may be willing to help. Hmm. This is how I came to contact you. I do not have any answer as to why, other than a referral and recommendation from a gentleman that I do not know personally. I was under the imp- <laughs> This is sounding very credible. <laughs> yeah, it's just a bunch of circumstantial I don't know this guy, but he said some wild <laughs> shit. <laughs> I was under the impression that you would answer that question. I'm located in Pike County, just outside the town of Redacted. <laughs> Kentucky. Okay. Redacted is located roughly 30 to 60 minutes from the border of Virginia and West Virginia, respectively get on that fucking Google Earth. Oh, we're going to pinpoint this guy. <laughs> My laptop has died. Oh no. From a ghostly source. It's been murdered. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they redact the name of the town, but they tell you it's yeah, this many miles from the border. So, I think we can pinpoint this. Well, ne- next episode of the show we'll have an update on this. <laughs> we are going to track fucking David down. Get more information on the goblins. By God, we're going to find out. But anyways, okay, so uh, it's also in Pike County, which mm -hmm. is made up of small towns and rural communities. It's not uncommon to go days without seeing my closest neighbors. I moved to this area for peace and quiet, and I've received neither. (laughs) I've lived here for under seven months, and in that time, the majority of the harassment has occurred within the past three days. Hmm. I did not become aware of any strangeness until early December, although that is only when I began to keep a record of these events. At first, it was merely strange tracks in the snow around my home. I had initially imagined that they were from some kind of animal, though it closely resembled a human footprint minus the heel. Mm -hmm. At that time, I was under the impression that I was simply a single creature. It wasn't until weeks later that I began to suspect I was dealing with a number of what I thought were individuals hazing me upon my arrival to the area. So this is, like, some fucking, like, dorm room bullshit. He's getting hazed. Yeah. So at this point, I was incapable of keeping my dogs outdoors overnight. Any attempt to leave her leashed would result in her barking herself hoarse until she was allowed back indoors. In the weeks leading up to this particular event, I had awoken to find my shed doors open on several occasions, many of my children's toys missing or moved, and my yard in general disarray. I had already given a report to the police who were making it increasingly clear that they were not interested in my case barring physical harm or large-scale theft.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: The second week of January, I'm having breakfast with my family when my five-year-old daughter begins talking about the kids without hair. That's fucking creepy. Oh my god. (laughs) That's horrifying. When my wife inquired about these kids, she informed us that she had spent the previous night watching them play in the yard. As you can imagine, this was of some concern.
1: <laughs>
0: I asked my daughter what these kids looked like, and she told me that they were bald like grandpa and weren't wearing any clothes. The very same day, I found the wreath that hangs outside or sorry, the wreath that hangs inside our rear porch stuffed into our mailbox. I purchased and installed motion-activated floodlights the following day, and for a time the problem ceased. It wasn't until the end of February that our daughter informed us that the bald kids had returned.
1: I was oh, awoken my.
0: to the sound of my daughter screaming and rushed to her bedroom only to meet her halfway down the hall. Got <laughs> gotta have some creepy music. We need, yeah, we need this. When my wife and I were finally able to calm her down enough to speak, she told us that the kids were trying to peer into her window, but they couldn't reach and instead had taken to tapping on it. She hadn't slept in her own bedroom since. It was that morning that I phoned the police for the second time and they responded by finally sending a trooper to our residence. I informed him of the regular mischief, how I was unable to let my dog outdoors after dusk, and the, the bald kids. When we found the ground disturbed just under my be- daughter's bedroom window, the officer informed me, very matter-of-factly, that we were dealing with an animal, and I would be better off contacting the game commission than waste their resources any further. Almost every day for the following week, I would find some evidence that something or someone had been on my property the previous night. Smudges on the windows were not uncommon. Stones from the walkway dragged to the other side of the lawn. And I had found tears in the screen door. On Wednesday the 7th of March, I finally witnessed the kids without hair for myself. The dog woke me up around 1.30 a.m. I scratched at the, ba- or scratching at the back of the door and whimpering to be let out. I noticed that the motion floodlight was on. And went to the kitchen window to check that the shed doors were still closed when i realized i could see the shadow of an individual cast across my lawn from the angle i was positioned at the window i could not actually see the source of the shadow or the floodlights the dog was pacing circles around the back door and i could hear someone rifling through a box on the porch <sighs> oh. filled with more anger than common sense the only reaction i could muster was to bang loudly on the window and yell at which point i heard the screen door on the porch swing open and slam against the house i heard what i can only describe as chirping at this point it sounded like a skunk if more guttural then i realized that there were more than two people on my property and the shadow which had been reacting as if wait, and the shadow which had been reacting as if it didn't know which way to run was quickly joined by another for a moment i watched as the as the shadows chirped at one another when I noticed a figure out of the corner of my eye. How the fuck long is this? Holy shit. Okay, we're almost done. (laughs)
1: This is a long
0: (laughs) tale. It it goes on. All right. Standing in the flower bed just to the bottom left of my window was a small humanoid figure with sickly pale skin, completely hairless, standing roughly four feet tall. It It was looking in the direction of the shadows and had clearly come from around the left side of the house opposite the porch and had not noticed me as far as I could tell. Its face was devoid of features, save for large, round eyes. Very reminiscent in shape and color of a bird's eye. Fucking called it. Fucking oh. giant-ass birds. <laughs> Did you call giant birds early on in this story? <laughs> I said, when they said they were chirping, I'm like, what are they, fucking oh, birds? fucking birds. <laughs> Folks, we cracked the case. <laughs> They're giant birds, maybe fucking owls or something. It has no nose to speak of. Only a small slit for a mouth. It didn't appear to move its mouth as it chirped, sounding more as if the noises originated from its throat. It was the most certainly not a wild animal, and even more certainly not a child. Wow. I was too terrified to move and watched as the creature hopped to the other creatures. So it's a fucking bird. Birds hop. It's a fucking bird. It's a big bird. Oh, it's like a hairless bird. <laughs> a four-foot-tall hairless bird. Remember, this is also like three in the fucking morning. Mm. This dude could like he's fucking having like sleep dep- deprivation, like hallucinations. Oh yeah, you've had those, right? You know, you wake up from a dream and then something will kind of like it's it's like half dream, half reality where it's you just don't all hazy. quite know what's real. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah, I, I, this guy doesn't. Yeah, let's continue. Let's continue. <laughs> I was too fair. Yeah, I was too terrified to move <laughs> <laughs> and watched us. Yeah. Okay, sorry. They hopped to each other and scrambled into the woods on the right side of my property. Uh, It was clear that there were at least five in the group. I have not mentioned this particular incident to my wife, and the only other person who I've spoken with about these creatures are yourself and a close friend who introduced me to our mutual friend Mr. Reist, who we mentioned earlier might not actually exist. Of course. Don't tell the wife. I would prefer to keep these things that way and to approach this problem as discreetly as possible. Since that evening my dog has gone missing from the porch, yet to return, and I can only imagine that his disappearance has to do with these creatures. I've gone looking for him during daylight hours, only to find many of my missing belongings scattered at the entrance to an abandoned mine shaft at the far edge of my property. (sighs) I don't dare go inside. My friend has convinced me that my experience is similar to that of other visitation experiences, providing me with material and references that back up his claims. I am aware of the outlandish nature of what I have told you, but I am afraid that I have no other explanation for what I have seen, at least at this time. I can see no other option than to try to seal the entrance to the mine. I cannot achieve this on my own, and I am too frightened to try. I don't dare share this information with others for fear of ruining my career and the reputation of my family. I am prepared to compensate your travel expenses and offer you unrestricted access to with whatever recording equipment that you desire but only on the condition of complete anonymity. Mm. Beyond that, I have no other desire than to be rid of this problem. Please inform me what you would like photographs of and where to send them. Thank you again. So, Greg researched the name Terry R. Rice, and it was a pseudonym used by an ex-military occultist interviewed in two obscure books printed in the mid-90s, called The Secret Cipher of the Ufonauts and The Secret Rituals of the Men in Black. And those books are about as fringe as you can get when it comes to ufology. So uh, they have instructions about contacting ultra-terrestrials via occult rituals supposedly deciphered by Aleister Crowley himself. Whoa. (laughs) It's all coming together, man. So uh, there was an interview with Terry who admits his name is not real. And in these interviews, he talks about a guerrilla group of Vietnam veterans formed in the '70s, whose directives included the infiltration and destruction of underground alien bases in and around the southern USA. Holy shit! <laughs> so this guy, he's got a pseudonym, and he's apparently telling fucking David what what's what's going on here. It's fucking crazy. So there was, a, there was an operation in the 70s to destroy underground <laughs> alien military bases. Yeah, this, this guy seems like a nutcase. Uh, here's, a, here's a quote from him. Mm-hmm. We were in a cavern, uh, only, I'd say, artificially hollowed out and illuminated by a greenish glow diffuse. not from a single identifiable for, uh, source. Uh, the whole area resembled Shaver's less exotic subterranean story descriptions. I'm not sure who Shaver is. Mm. but uh they're f- confronted by small grayish beings humanoid only in the technical sense one of the four guys said darrow and started shooting i don't know <laughs> what darrow is <laughs> that was his war cry but one shot uh and the limit illumin- the uh, illuminated bean or the bean illuminated in blue and then disappeared and there was a sound and he felt as his own gun get unbearably hot and he dropped it and turned to run and was confronted by two more of the green or the gray skinned creatures with a net.
1: Whoa.
0: <laughs> so, fucking, I, I don't know if this, if David is like taking this information about this guy and using it in his story or if he somehow got in contact with this guy. It's, it's a little unclear. That's but, a, uh, so. Sorry, continue. It's what were like, saying? Uh, oh, I've, I've never heard of that ability before to, yeah. uh, to make something hot from a distance. That's it's fucking terrifying. So Greg emailed back, but he didn't get any uh, response from him for two months. Mm. But David finally did respond back. Um, he said his brother-in-law and him traveled to the house for the first time in over a month to check on the security, mm. and he brought a camera to, for, to take photographic evidence. Um his home was free of tampering, but he was able to find a trail of footprints that matched the size and shape of those previously left by the creatures, and uh, I've got some pictures on them.
1: So these are apparently
0: the footprints he found. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Like I'm not sure mm-hmm. where it is in this one. Is that right there? Yeah, and it, it does look like they describe. It looks like just like a, a human, f- similar to a human footprint, less toes, but with no heel. Yeah, in. it's got like three big toes. It looks kind of like a like a, one of those like brachiosaurus like (laughs) how their footprint would look yeah it looks like it looks like the footprint of a a dinosaur with no claws yeah so apparently that's what he took pictures of when he went back um and that's the end of that story uh apparently david or uh greg never heard from david again after that wild david rest in peace david David, it was too late for David already. So there, there seems to be uh, some crazy stuff going on down in Kentucky. Damn. So yeah, to our Kentucky listeners, good luck. Good luck. Take David's advice. Keep your things locked up outside. Have that shotgun. Have the motion sensors. It's very useful. So, um, I think that's probably about it. And so. Our podcast comes to its inevitable close. Though this may be the end for now, there's far more to come. Now or in another age. Be gone. Be gone, Demon. Be gone. Be gone. Be gone. Thank you for listening. To Pickle and Gravy's Paranormal Podcast. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Have a fun one. We love you. A little bit.